0: Right. Well, hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to the Daily Evolver. I am here today with Corey DeVos, who you will recognize in a minute. Say hey, Corey. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Yeah. Let everybody look at you. <laughs> I'm yeah. broadcasting from virtual reality. Hey. Uh, Corey is, of course, the editor-in-chief of Integral Life, and um, once again, I thank Integral Life for hosting this live webcast and and encourage everybody to become a member of Integral Life. It is uh, a worthy organization. It is the central portal for all things Integral, the home of Ken Wilber and a really great group of people, so check it out if you You haven't already. You can get your first month for $1. Really? Yep. Well, that's kind of cool. All right. Well, today, Corey and I are going to chat a bit about an experience that we both had together, actually, last Saturday when I came over to your house and strapped on this. Hey, hey. where <laughs> your mind goes. <laughs> but I strapped on a PlayStation virtual reality headset, which you were just wearing, uh, that Angie had gotten you as a gift. And, you know, in a way, I felt, feel like I entered a new world. It mm. was really interesting. It's the first time ever I've ever had an experience of virtual reality. And it actually reminded me of a very significant experience I had when I was a freshman in college. And I was maybe two months into campus life, and I had met this older friend, and she was a couple of years older, and she had a, an apartment off campus, which was very cool. And I was visiting, and she said, I want you to do something. She said, first of all, smoke this. So that was the first time I ever had a joint. And then she said, now lay down on the couch. She put a pair of fancy Bose headphones on me, and she played Close to the Edge by Yes, the band Yes, which is that 30-minute psychedelic song that just, you know, amazing. And I loved that band ever since. And I love that song above all. And and it, it, and i feel like you know it's funny when we talk about moving up stages of development sometimes there's a moment where you realize this has happened you know you accept jesus as your savior whatever it might be uh and i feel like for me i st- laid down in that couch as an orange modernist and got up off the couch as a green postmodernist mm. i mean i had i had entered into this new world and um and I don't know if virtual reality will have the same developmental impact ultimately, but it's, it, it's in that same category of, oh, my God, this is what's next. And so, Corey, how would you describe it? You, you actually are, you know, I, I spent all of 30 minutes there. You've been doing it. What, what do you, how would you describe it for people?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, first off, I love that story, Jeff, and I love that, you know, about, I mean, it sounds like you were what in college when that happened? I was, I was 18, 19. So that was sort of your first uh, Neo meets or- Morpheus moment, right? And she gave you the red pill. Exactly. You went down the rabbit hole, and you popped yeah. out a different human being. And that's that's, that's right. right. And I guess this weekend I was I was sort of Morpheus number two for you.
0: Yeah, totally. Which is, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so virtual reality. This was also my first time trying it too. So uh, so as you said, Angie, my fiance got it for me uh, about a week and a half ago, maybe as an early birthday gift, and. Um, it was my very first time. I had actually been really curious about these new virtual reality setups that've been coming out over the last I'd say year and a half or so, and I just had never tried it because I have this like obsessive personality where as soon as I try an experience like that, I I fixate it until I can have it for myself, and I didn't want to get into that loop too early, you know, cuz it's, you know, it's 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 a bit pricey. Um, particularly a year and a half ago, it was, it was, it's, 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 much more affordable today than it was then. Um, so I held off and Angie got me this, this setup and, um, man, yeah, it just blew me away. So, you know, in terms of what the experience is like, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of hard to talk about. It's one of those things where you can hear a thousand descriptions. And I had heard a bunch of descriptions before actually putting the headset on, but once you're, once you're actually in, you know, this, this alternate universe, it's, um, it's so immersive, and you never really anticipate h- how real your brain is going to think it is.
0: Well, and um, what you're actually seeing is the world all around you, 360 degrees. It's 360-degree immersion. You could yep. look over, you could look to the other side, you could yep. look behind you. That's right. And you That's right. see see uh, 360 degrees.
1: And the 360-degree aspect of it is what I expected from virtual reality. What I didn't expect was the fidelity of the 3D experience. So it's not just 360 degrees, everything's three-dimensional. So, so there's so, depth. There's depth, exactly. And it works, you know, your eyes work the same way they work in the real world where if you look at something near, you know, you have to focus your eyes in a particular way, you look something far away, your, your eyes shift. That's how VR works. So basically what you, get, what you have is two stereoscopic lenses right in front of your eyes, and they're blasting in, you know, two slightly different, uh, different images, different video feeds and your brain reconciles it as a stereo image with depth. Yeah. And again, that's what, that's what shocked me was how, was, how, was how deep that depth actually was and how, um, you know, like in the experience that we had, we, we did sort of an underwater experience. Yeah. And there little fishes that, you know, that swim right in front of your line of view. And it's, you know, it feels like you could just reach out yes. and, pluck one out and you know and it's 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 convincing
0: yeah it is let me play a little bit of the video that we watched now people aren't going to be able to experience it anything like you do with the headset but you can see what's actually being transmitted on each headset that's there's a dual stereoscopic image on this on this youtube here and this is the demo video of playstation right corey so it's playstation worlds is, is what it comes from yeah, so this is showing it off as, as, as well as it can be. And as you pointed out, it was, it was really smart of them to make it an underwater experience because underwater is a little fuzzy and you know the resolution isn't as great as it will be, certainly. That's right. But, but there's enough that, that it, again, it's convincing. So this is, uh, let me share a screen. This is the... Um, So this is, we've been uh, lowered into the ocean as part of an exploration. We're in one of those shark cages, and we've been dropped through these ocean holes down into the next level, and you're feeling yourself go down, and you're looking up and seeing the top recede, and and you're looking to the side and all around you, and there's uh, swarms of fish, and it's just really something. Mm-hmm. And then you, we get to where we found a submarine or a shipwreck or something—I forget what it was—and uh, and so we're kind of focused on that. We're listening to the woman who's sort of guiding us from the ship above, and all of a sudden, this happens. So, are we ready for this? Did I share it, uh, Corey? Oh, you, you nailed it. Okay, good. So, just a matter of playing it. Here we go. Shit! The seismometer just lit up again. Okay, keep
1: an eye out for falling debris. We don't have a lot of time. Keep your eyes peeled for anything
0: of interest. The drones will take care of the rest. I'm getting a strong heat signal. So you can see you're looking around. Yep. Yeah. how that how immersive that can be, imagine if that's all around you, and that's what's actually happening
1: man, I tell you watching watching that video and comparing it to the actual experience it's 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 crazy yeah um, it, it's you know we get such a tiny little sliver in that you know two dimensional video that you gave us when you're actually in the world and you're feeling how you know, it's tracking your head movements perfectly, yeah. right? Without any delay or anything yeah. like that. The frame yeah. rate stays high, so everything is very fluid. It doesn't, you know, you don't get those jitters, which would, uh, you know, make you feel a little bit nauseous,
0: maybe, or, um, you know. Right, now this high is a high-tech piece of equipment. It's funny, PlayStation makes it sound more like a toy than it actually is. <laughs> yeah. this, you got a real setup there with, there's a camera that's looking at, that is looking at you as, as, the, as the viewer. And it's tracking these lights on your headset so it knows when you're turning your head and just how you turn your head and the most subtle movement of your head. And it's feeding the information from that. And uh, so there's that. There's a demonstration. Uh, you showed me a number of games. Yep. Where, like one is you're uh, playing tennis. And you're using the controller as a tennis racket. You're using, your head. you're using your head as a tennis racket. Oh, you're using your t- head as a tennis racket. Yep. And it's instantly addictive. And it's, you know, all of these balls are flying all around you. You can look up. You're in this big uh, uh, arena. Everybody's watching you. You're like in this some playoff, whatever. It's, it's very, very powerful. Yep. And yep. then the Star Wars
1: game. That's yeah. the one where I really geeked out, Jeff, was, was the Star Wars game. So being able to, like, you know, you open up the game and right there in the credits, you know, the credits come up and then this massive, like, what, 60, 70 foot tall, uh, you know, AT-AT or ATST, I think it is, comes walking by the, you know, just lumbering right. long-
0: through and, and the. It's a big mechanical, incredible. like, camel. Yeah, exactly.
1: This, this huge metal dinosaur just walks through the credit scene. And then, you know, and then you see your X-Wing fighter and you zoom into your X-Wing fighter and you're looking and this thing feels solid. I mean, it, it feels like it's right in front of you. And again, the resolution's a little bit off and you kind of feel like you're looking through a scuba mask, right? Um, but this thing has solidity to it. And then you get into the cockpit and oh my God, I'm in a cockpit of an x-wing fighter yeah right and then before you know it you're you're in space and you're following the
0: other ships and then you're in an asteroid belt and you're and you can you know, control this you're flying asteroids. with the controller you're moving left and right and speeding up and slowing down and actually hitting um you know uh, shooting at things and, yep. and, and, uh, and in and your it's, case crashing it's a right battle going on all around you right uh, and i was saying in your
1: case crashing into a number of asteroids oh my god
0: Oh, I, I am, I mean, this is, again, to, to to just look at the evolution of things and how at some point you think, okay, you keep going without me. Uh, uh, video games, I played a little bit of Pac-Man in college and that was it. I just never got the download. And so the eye-hand coordination, the whole thing is just, I mean, I feel like an, an idiot. You know, and <laughs> And yet, I could see the fun if I really got it and could do it. Oh, totally. My God, it would be fun.
1: Well, and you, you know, you just nailed something. Uh, you know, sort of, sort of. Uh, it's interesting to me how the generations view this, right? Because I think, I think you're right. There's, there's, you know, the Boomer generation never really got too into gaming. There's a lot of memories around gaming. You know, like you say, Pac-Man. My dad always talks about how much he loved playing Asteroids at the arcade. Right, you know, And I actually showed you sort of a new virtual reality. Oh, my God. Asteroids, when you
0: think of asteroids, of I remember asteroids. It was this little game with these little green lights and this black background, and you had to shoot these little crude rockets. And now, this virtual reality asteroids, you're in space all around. You're on this grid. It's this really exhilarating amazing thing
1: yeah you're playing on a sphere a giant sphere that's right in front of you and that's i mean and it's 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 crazy how immersive that is but you know again with the generations you know i see a lot of millennials who are looking at virtual reality and they kind of they almost shrug it off in a certain kind of way where it's like oh well you know yeah we were expecting to happen for me as a gen xer right i grew up my first video game system was the atari 2600 Okay. And then I went to the Commodore 64 and then the Nintendo. I mean, so I've been a gamer my entire life. And I remember being seven years old and imagining what is the future of video games going to be. And it was, it's, it's basically this, right? It's basically this fully immersive 3d hundred three hundred and sixty 360 degree experience of games. So, so for my generation, it's, it's literally something I've been waiting for, you know, my whole life. And, and now it's arrived and it's just as, Magic, as I thought, and and this is what's what's interesting to me, Jeff. And I'd love to know sort of what your experience of this is. Is technology as magic? And I can identify four or five times in my life where a new piece of technology legitimately felt like magic to me. And the first one was, as I said, when I was a kid, the first time I ever played with a personal computer, a Commodore sixty four. That blew me away. That absolutely blew me away. And I was pretty much hooked from there. And I must have been. Again, probably six years old my first experience. The next one was when uh, my parents got me a, a Nintendo Entertainment System, you know, the OG system with Mario Brothers and Duck mm-hmm. Hunt and all that. That was like magic to me. I didn't feel that feeling again until probably 1995 when I, when I used Netscape for the first time and learned what an internet is, right? Um, and, then, and then not again until I got my very first iPhone. And the first time i you know felt that touch screen and and swiped and it was so responsive it legitimately felt like magic oh yeah that's that's what this feels like to me it feels like the biggest dose of technology as magic that i've i've experienced my whole life
0: yeah yeah and and it's not just limited to these uh headsets and there's a number of them playstations one the one we were using but there's a new uh, art form arising yeah. in cinema. Of- yeah, well, and,
1: and we, should, we should, I don't wanna gloss over that point, Jeff, because I want people to realize, You know, one of the things that makes this technology so exciting right now is that it's actually becoming accessible to the average consumer, right? It's still a little bit pricey, but it's, but it's actually in range where, you know, uh, more consumers can pick it up.
0: With that headset's a couple hundred bucks, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so let, let, let's go through the range, right? At the, very, at the very, let's say at the biggest range, the, the nicest VR set you can get today is, is probably the HTC Vive, um, which is a really, really nice headset. It's got super good uh, head tracking controls. The resolution is better than the PlayStation. Uh, but you know, it's a, I think it's something like a $700 system, maybe 600, maybe 800. They have a pro version coming soon. That's going to be a little bit more expensive, but it requires, you know, a really good computer system. Probably at least they say at least, you know, $800 for a home built system to be power, powerful enough to run it. But really you probably need something more like a 1500 to $2,000 system. So right there, you're, you're in the two grand to three grand range for sort of top tier virtual reality at the lowest possible tier, you can get into virtual reality for 10 bucks, right? You can get a pair of, of Google Cardboard, and that'll get, you know, you're not gonna get the head tracking, you're not gonna get any of that immersion, but you're gonna get a sense of what 360 degree videos like, you're gonna be able to watch the, the special New York Times 3D videos
0: that they put out, things like that. Yeah, now I have a Google uh, Cardboard, and um, you can actually, it does do head tracking somehow, Oh, interesting! Oh, I mean, so you actually, you its using phone
1: the phone's in. gyroscope. Okay. Oh,
0: yeah, it's using the phone's gyroscope. Yeah. That's it. Now it doesn't have the—it does have 3D. It's nothing is like what the PlayStation right. is. Of it's course. not immersive in the same way. But the for ten bucks, it's pretty damn good, exactly. and it gives you an idea of what's going on here. And uh, for those of you who don't know what Corey was talking about, there's uh, New York Times has this whole virtual reality uh, program on its website that work with Google. Cardboard and it's pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah Yeah, 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 I've heard I've heard again
1: I I didn't even try Google cardboard because I didn't want to catch the bug Too early because yeah. I knew that if I tried the Google cardboard that would be a cool experience and that would just put me on the path to inevitably spend Multiple hundreds of dollars to, to get a good rig. So right. I, I delayed that as long as I could But the PlayStation is basically right in the middle of the road of those two extremes so You know, I got mine used for $200. I think you can get one new for about $300, which is, you know, really reasonable. Uh, It requires that you have a PlayStation, which I think costs, I think these days it costs about $300, maybe $400 for a a PlayStation Pro. But so right there, you're talking about, you know, about six or $700. And then, you know, that's not including the money you're going to spend on games and, you know, peripheral, different controllers and all that stuff. But just to get started, the point being, it's actually hit sort of, you know, the technology has become affordable enough to enough people to where a real market is really being developed right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, right now, I think I think uh, at the end of last year, PlayStation had sold 2 million headsets total, uh, which is more than all the other headsets combined, which was, I think, about a million. So we've got probably now after, uh, you know, PlayStation just had a really big sale. I'm sure it was a very successful sale, a pretty... Deep cut on these on these systems. I bet you at least a new half million headsets are are in circulation now. So that's really good for the industry because now there's more incentive for designers and developers to come up with uh, you know new ways. This is a new platform, and everyone is trying to figure out you know, what can we do on this new platform? Because it's yeah. different than what came before. It's, it you know, like, like for example, it, and let's stay within the realm of entertainment right now, Jeff. Um, you know, the, the, the Shark Tank experience that you had was very cool, was very immersive, but you noticed, you know, they had cinematics in mind that they wanted you to experience. So what do they do? They put you in a seat where you're not moving around. You can look around, you can look behind you, but you're not, you know, moving forward, moving to the side. That's so they can control what you're experiencing. Now you, you break that out. It becomes obvious how difficult it could become to tell the story, right? So there's a lot of people who there's a show, for example, that's coming out. Uh, I think it's called Trinity. Uh, I, I think they're going to break it out later this year. And they want to have a, a show where you can watch the show from within virtual reality. Hmm. But this This calls into a whole number of questions of of how do you how do you direct that because what you're doing is you're basically giving the user the role of cinematographer. Right in these in these in these sort of, you know, fictional stories that they lay out, you know, because when they're when they're when when they're directing a movie, the director has control over where your eye goes. Right? They know if this person 's talking, they want you to be seeing this person or they want you to see this reaction shot right? in order to to uh, to communicate what they 're trying to communicate to you as as, as the audience here you 're giving the user one hundred percent control, so that requires a total ground up reimagination of reimagining of of how to tell a story on this platform and yep. it's I think the next several years. Uh, we're going to see a number of different experiments along these lines, and it's exciting to think about. Um, you know, everywhere from from entertainment applications to, you know, education, journalism. I mean, we mentioned the New York Times. I think what is maybe the killer app, quote unquote, of virtual reality, isn't necessarily going to be any of these games or these experiences. Even, it's going to be the capacity of this technology to. To cultivate and transmit empathy, I think that's going to be the killer app of virtual reality, and that in a way sort of cuts against the grain of what the internet has largely been doing to us over the last ten or fifteen years, which is making everything much more impersonal right and it's interesting, Jeff, you know because one, one, I, I think in this conversation, we want to you know sort of think about the full spectrum of virtual reality where it's going, its various applications, and, and we'll bring up a number of those, but let's start in the basement, because the basement's a lot of fun. Uh, as usual, porn is a big driver of the technology.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, is it out? Is it, uh,
1: do they have it? There's studios out there that are, that are, you know, making exclusively virtual reality porn. That is now available? That's now available, totally. You can watch on your PlayStation. Wow. Um, talk about immersive. Well, so this is the thing, and let's let's talk about this for a second, because, you know, a lot of people's criticisms, rightful criticisms of pornography is that it lends towards an increased impersonalization of sex, of women, you know, even of men, of, of basically everyone involved. Everything gets very impersonalized to the point where it particularly – over the last 10 or 15 years where porn has become this thing where instead of popping in one video and that one video holds your attention, you know, now they add, it's, it's like the typical thing is to have like 30 tabs across your browser and everyone's hunting for that one scene that, you know, gives them the thrill they're looking for. And it becomes very, very, again, depersonalized personalized What's interesting about VR porn, and I, you know, may or may not have done a few scientific experiments. (laughs) I need to know what I'm talking about here. Of course. Is the experience is very different. The experience is actually about creating a sense of presence and connection. It's actually VR porn can almost be uncomfortable because of the amount of intimacy they're trying to create. And at the very least, I think this is novel. For, for this industry in particular. You know, one of the big sort of trends in VR porn is um, they call it the girlfriend experience. Where basically some pretty girls pretend, talking to you as she would if she was your girlfriend. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I imagine for, a, you know, a few lonely guys out there, that's, that's probably, you know, nourishing some part yeah. of that. There's also yeah, the of danger, course. of course, just like with all pornography of it becoming even
0: more you know, I guess, addictive, addictive or- immersive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's a, a big topic with, you know, all of the virtual world, even just the internet as it is, is that there are a lot of people who are sort of trapped in the vis- virtual world. Mm-hmm. And you actually turned me on to Reddit a while back. And mm-hmm. I, it's I, I look at Reddit virtually every day. And there are people on there who talk about that they have it. They don't really have friends. They don't have really have real relationships. They're stuck in the, their video games. They're they're in their mother's bedroom. This one guy wrote this beautiful thing. He said, "And my parents like it that way because they treat me like a house plant." Mm. And you know, it's just this kind of thing where. It, and, and of course, I was in Japan. They were talking about the, these guys who never come out of their room for years. And uh, so there is this danger of. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's not, I often, uh, compare it to the advent of in modernity of all of a sudden we went from a world where we never got enough calories to a world where we got all the calories we wanted and a lot of them were empty of real yep. nutrition. So, you know, yep. the, the processed foods and so forth. And some people really just overdo it and, and everybody does it a way until we get hip to it. That's right. And then we have to control it. That's right, and there's a lot of fear of virtual reality mm-hmm. and of uh, you know just the virtual world in general that that actually sort of echoes the fear of technology. If you look historically and developmentally, that there was fear of people learning to read
1: yeah no that, that's right. when you know when when, uh, when the printing press was was invented, I imagine num- a number of Puritans screaming their heads off people are going to stop talking to
0: each other if, yeah. if, if, if they can get their words from a book yes. right yeah. or they're going to be able to directly read the book that we've been interpreting for them for the last thousand years, yep. and I'm not sure we want that. Is That's that right. is that a good idea? And, right. and I was reading that in Victorian England, I forget what it was, some book or something, but they were talking about these women. Why would you teach women how to read? Look at these women who've learned how to read. Look at them off in the corner. They're off in the garden, lost in this other world instead of paying attention to their families yep. because they were reading novels. Right. And so, you know, there's always that fear and they're there is an, ov- we, we do sort of gorge on this stuff when it first comes online and until the- we sort of get sick from it. No, that's, just that, one that's more thought. just, just yeah. to take it back to the porn thing. Yep. I was watching Chris Rock's new um, special on Netflix called T- tambourine. I've heard it's awesome. It's awesome. And he was talking about how he screwed up his marriage. It, it really, uh, 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 very, very honest and very candid. And he was talking about porn and how porn made him, he was talking just like you were all these, you know, the the screens with all the different particular things that you might want and how it made him that he put it sexually autistic Mm. and he had to get a grip. And the the men in the audience were like, yeah, 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 they got it. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, you know, this is going to just intensify that for some people and you know stand by i guess yeah
1: yeah I, you know and, and i think this is true of every of every sort of new technological platform that emerges is that it's it's, it's going to be used in very nourishing ways and it's going to be used in, in you know some dissociative ways and um but again what what you know so i look at even television right so one of the big things that prompted or provoked the you know the countercultural uh resistance movements of the 1960s was television, in particular, you know, uh, people all of a sudden receiving images from the front lines of the Vietnam War. That created a sense of empathy that hadn't existed previously. You can't overestimate that. That's that's right. astonishing. Fifty years later, that same television signal, you know, because back then it was part of, you know, again, the the, the three networks and PBS was basically all you had to, to watch now there is such an overstimulation overstimula- from these you know multiple 2d images coming from all over the world that we're sort of back to numb paralysis again where it doesn't really move us we you know to the point where we can watch you know uh you know shootings mass shootings or we can watch terrorist attacks and it just it's just you know oh, just another violent image on our media and 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 you get you get acclimated to it. It becomes normalized in a certain kind of sense. So my hope with VR, again, is that it seems to be exercising new muscles when it comes to empathy that I think have become largely atrophied on the internet as we know it, particularly since our interactions on the internet are very, very disembodied, right? It's, it's, it's literally just an anonymous screen name and, you know, after, unless you're on Facebook or something, but you look at Reddit, it's an anonymous screen name and just words, no body language, no presence, no genuine connection whatsoever, just sort of id versus id in, in a certain yeah. kind of way. Yeah. Virtual reality, what gives me hope about virtual reality is, is you know, when, when it gets to the point where we're actually interacting with each other in VR, there's a sense of presence there. And it, it feels a little bit more like, you know, the things we say on the internet, we would never say to someone if they were standing in the room in front of us. My hope is that with virtual reality, we're going to get a little bit more of that sort of natural decorum back, a little bit more of that natural etiquette of, you know, let's treat human beings like human beings, even if they're, you know, dressed up as an anime character standing in front of me right now. Right. Um, so you know that that 's the muscle I think you know and, and when I think about applying it to things like journalism, you know being able to step into a three hundred and sixty degree v r world and see people running away from a bomb explosion on you know the streets on the other side of the world, again, it just develops a type of empathy where the, these people are not unlike me they're not they 're not removed from me because i 'm seeing them on a two dimensional you know TV screen for thirty second sound bites.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm actually
1: in, you know, I, I'm I'm sitting there with You're them. immersed. I'm exactly. I'm watching. Yeah. That creates a sense of empathy within me, which translates to a sense of urgency to enact this world in a slightly different way, um, yeah. so so that we can, you know, actually start reducing suffering. So that's yeah. that's what gives me hope. But I I absolutely. Well, I
0: just would on. say Corey, that we have been reducing suffering. I mean, sure. I I, I would you know. Uh, argue a little bit that the, that the internet TV all of that it, it actually d- does increase empathy because you just see other people you know I, I know it's not as immersive it probably won't be as powerful as this new thing, but you know if we look at I was just reading um, the um, S- Stephen Pinker's new book Enlightenment Now, and he's talking about in the last hundred years. IQ has increased on the planet by thirty points, and what that means is that the average person today scores better than ninety eight percent of people a century ago mm-hmm. and uh, he points out a number of reasons for that: one is that we have more calories for our brains, which are greedy organs, but also that you know we 're operating in new kinds of abstractions and visual symbols and you know uh, th- that really just increase. The space. He never goes into anything like the uh, increase of consciousness or anything. That's too woo-woo for him. Mm-hmm. But it does, um, But there is an increase of intelligence. There's an increase of empathy. There's a decrease of violence, uh, despite the fact that we have these, you know, Florida outbreaks of mass shootings. Uh, yep. Violence is way down. Uh, people are living better lives, uh, for sure, uh, globally. And... You know, a lot of that has been mass communication. No, I I totally agree, Jeff.
1: I think that net empathy is up, but we also have these these pockets of dissociation that come along with it, which is oh, totally. always
0: going to be true. Well, that's what we're talking about is this that's downside right. where people do get fixated, dissociated. That's uh, right. The other people as objects instead of people.
1: Well, you know, but the, the thing I often totally. think about is like, you know, the, the the most terrible event, I think in the last 10 years in America was the Sandy Hook shooting, right? Where, I mean, where toddlers are are, are getting shot up. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that there's, we've had any, greater heartbreak over the last, even with all these other shooters, there was something about that story that just, you know, broke our hearts. And because of the internet, more of our hearts were able to get broken from that story. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But you also have these pockets of people who, because of this very same technology, were able to congregate and constellate together. And actually, you know, to the point where they're questioning whether Sandy Hook actually happened and they're sending death threats to the parents of, of you know, uh, uh, the, the parents who lost kids in the Sandy Hook shoot, which is about as ghoulish of be- it's literally like the definition of ghoulish um, that I could possibly imagine. Yeah. And, and that is also a byproduct of, of the internet. That wouldn't have happened nope, in it's true. 1991.
0: No, it's um, so it
1: does. It, it does both, and we always it, have it to connects craft.
0: the KKK and it yep. connects the crazies, and it yep. connects all the people who, you know, God bless them. They used to have to mimeograph their shit and pass That's it true. out at the you know flea market. Yeah, but now, <laughs> yep. now they could get online dignities and disasters. Yes, indeed. Every, so every let's talk about a couple of the dignities because you, you, you totally you had a, some really good insights here in terms of. Um, Using this virtual reality. In fact, you're talking about Andrew Holacek, who yeah. is one of the teachers on Integral Life. Yeah. Why don't you just tell people you do? Know. Yeah.
1: So first off, Andrew, if you're watching, man, we love you. Uh, Andrew's such a great teacher, a great human being. Um, I I I I love his style. I love I love the way he communicates his teaching. It's you know he's got like really one foot in you know deep traditional Buddhism. And he's able to sort of illuminate those ideas in a very, to a very modern audience in a, in a very cool way. Uh, so if you haven't checked out Andrew Holacek on Inner Life, please do. He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a treasure. Um, so he did a presentation at our What Now conference a couple months ago, where he was basically talking about the intersection of virtual reality and cultivating a practice of lucid dreaming. And this has been my experience. Uh, You know, he talks about, well, first off, you know, one of the cool things about Buddhism is it sort of flips our perception of reality on its head, right? So for the average person, we wake up in the morning, we accept this reality, this sort of gross material reality as being the really real world. Uh, Our dream reality is sort of, you know, one step abstracted from that really real world. And then deep dreamless sleep is, well, it's just nothingness. It's just blankness. Um, Buddhism sort of takes that and flips it on its head, right? And says, "Well, no, this world that we wake up to every day—that we quote unquote wake up to—is—is—is—is actually—is actually the slumber. This is the slumber. This is the shared dream that we have with everyone else. And when you're actually going into a dream state, that's actually a little bit more closer to source because you're still in a dream state, but it's just your dream. It's just your creativity. And then the deep dreamless sleep is the really real, right? So it's like when uh, uh, Ramani uh, uh, Maharshi, I, I'm, I'm, Ramana. Thank you. Ramana Maharshi says, um, you know, that which is in deep sleep is the only real. Um, every, everything else, you know, basically, does it have a beginning? Does it have an end? Well, dreams have a beginning, have an end. Our gross reality has a beginning and has an end. What doesn't have a beginning or an end is the deep dreamless sleep state and that's the only real estate. So what virtual reality does is it actually helps you dislodge a little bit, because basically what you're doing is you're building these almost little dreamscape bubbles, right, and you're experiencing, like you had a little dreamscape bubble of going down into the depths of the ocean and encountering the shark and all that, and you come back up and you take the goggles off, and you're like, holy crap, this world is such high resolution. That's always my first (laughs) Wow, everything's so clear. Um, everything's so sharp, but you know what I've noticed is if you have the goggles on for you know let's say four hours, five hours, six hours. Once you take them off, this reality doesn't quite feel as stable as it did before you put the glasses on. Start things start feeling like they're you know almost superimposed onto this empty witness backdrop, um, which of course they are. Um, so it can you know so so Andrew basically says virtual reality can help help train our minds to always be questioning the substance and the solidity of our reality. Hmm. To the point where we get so entrained in that ongoing question, is this real? Is this real? Is this real? That we start doing that in our dreams. And he makes a wonderful case where, you know, when we start doing that in our dreams, we're actually rehearsing. It's the ultimate dress rehearsal for death and and, and also for life. beautiful teaching and actually showing how these, you know, really high, you know, sort of subtle states of consciousness can be transmitted or cultivated or, um, yeah, experienced through this new technological platform. And I think that's, you know, the, the fact that we can have this conversation about lucid dreaming right after having this conversation about empathy in the porn industry, just, I think, is testimony to sort of this full spectrum Uh, potentials and impacts that this technology really has
0: yeah wow beautifully said and that's just you know we can see developmentally how the um, evolution of consciousness is often both what causes and is the effect of advances in technology yeah and we just think differently we don't even know why but we've seen something that we can't unsee There's an exercising of our consciousness in some way that expands it that we don't even have to be trying. But if we are, I mean, if using Andrew's practices, then, of course, you're just on warp speed. But these are new possibilities that uh, are really exciting. They are. They are.
1: They are really exciting. You know, Mark Zuckerberg believes that uh, the next big operating system is going to be virtual
0: reality. So yeah, I guess they're they're big in this, right? They, they uh, are. I see they have a they have a a, a, a team of four hundred people working on it.
1: Yeah, so they they bought Oculus Rift, which was uh, you know one of the name brand VR technologies that that went through Kickstarter and all that. Facebook ended up buying them, and this is actually I mean it's it's actually interesting because because Facebook Facebook which is a social network. Is doubling down on virtual reality, which, as you said, has the potential of making people a little bit more withdrawn from each other. That's one yeah. possible you know, impact there. Apple is actually taking a different turn. So, Apple, which is largely a, a hardware manufacturer, um, they're actually making the augmented reality bet because they're saying, you know what, I think people are getting a little bit sick of being disconnected from each other and they're going to want a way to enhance their interface with reality and with each other uh, and with the rest of the world. So What's they're the doubling difference? down on augmented reality. Augmented versus virtual. So virtual reality is, like I said, it's a dreamscape that is almost, it's, it's, it's you. It's and what, your
0: we, what we've been talking about.
1: That's right. Augmented reality would be something similar. You know, the, 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 the way people often talk about it is imagine, you know, the, the high tech Google glasses where you put them on and you look at, let's say you walk by an item in a, in, a, in a window in a store, and automatically on the display, the price shows up and it shows you how many of your friends have bought that before. And you can call one of those friends right there. So it's, it's almost like there's, there's a layer being superimposed upon this really real, quote unquote, world that we're walking through together, which is a little bit this different than- This is when,
0: when what I start, thinking, if if when I, start I start thinking, okay, maybe it is okay to die. I mean, <laughs> I'm good with it. You know, you guys go ahead with the, you know, price tag coming up on your glasses. But I don't know. But I, I know what you're talking about. I've seen demos on YouTube, too, where, you know, you're looking, especially with medical technology, uh, you're, you're looking at you know somebody's organs and uh,
1: total, no, so let's let and and uh, you know I know we're we're running a little bit late in the program, but I do want to you know um, address some of those the 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 medical and the therapeutic aspects of this and uh, uh, applications of this. yeah please do. Are are insane. So I just read an article before we started about there's one um, there's one hospital. I, I wish I could remember where exactly it was. I don't have the page up anymore. But they're using virtual reality to teach parents about the congenital heart defects that their children are experiencing. So the parents are able to, you know, so this is sort of where medicine and education overlap. Parents are able to step into a giant, you know, 30 foot heart and actually see, okay, well, this is how it should be working. Here's what's wrong. And just gives the parents that much more under, you know, geez, years ago, I would have loved for a doctor to step Angie and I through a giant virtual liver so that we could actually, you know, but we had our doctor, who's, who's a sweetheart and I love her to death, but, you know, drawing these little pictures on the paper. And that was, that was where our understanding came from. If we had the opportunity to actually, you know, walk into a liver and see how these bile ducts are supposed to be working and, and all of that, it would just, it would have, it would have been so tremendously helpful. It would have been an invaluable resource for us. Just, just to, to, to let people know it. your daughter had a liver transplant. Yeah. So you know all about that. That's right. That's right. Um, the other side of things is, you know, there's, there's actually uh, uh, doctors are using virtual reality for people who have been paralyzed, who are experiencing uh, neuropathic pain. And it's, it's sort of like phantom pain when you lose a limb. It's, it's a, you know, you have these clusters of nerves that, um, you know, re- when you're paralyzed, particularly if you have a spinal injury, the feeling you should have is, is sort of like floating all the time. But a lot of these people, they, they, they have a serious pain that conventional therapies don't get at, whether it's you know opiates coming in from the upper right or cognitive behavioral therapy coming in from the upper left, it doesn't get at this pain. What they found does get at this pain are these virtual reality programs which convinces the brain that they have functional body parts, right? Mm. As, soon as, as soon as the brain makes that transition and you know, the person looks down and they're walking on their
0: own legs, that pain goes away. Which is wow. just amazing. It's just yeah, amazing. so it's it's working with the neuroplasticity of the brain, that's right. It's sort of rewiring it from this, um, you know, immersive yep. Uh, platform. Yep.
1: I saw another article where kids are using uh, instead of instead of you know doping up our kids uh, after a surgery with you know tons of barbiturates and opiates and and all that. They're actually just using virtual reality goggles, which becomes an almost immersive. Distraction, a compelling enough distraction, to where they can manage their own pain symptoms, mm. um, which mm. which is amazing. You know, we're we're in the midst of this opioid crisis in America, largely coming from uh, you know over prescription from you know the healthcare industry, and um, you know sort of any a- anything that we find that can give some sort of relief, um, that can. Uh, give people alternatives other than these highly addictive and um, you know really soul crushing, soul stealing, um, you know chemicals. I think is is a really good thing. So you know thinking about you know I I, I I'm in it initially for the amazing entertainment experiences, um, but the applications for education, for healthcare, medicine, journalism, you know, therapies for. You know, I think even on a family level, you know, I'm so grateful for FaceTime video, you know, basically video chat because Evelyn can talk to her grandparents twice a week. Um, I imagine five years from now when we can just put on goggles and there's an actual sense of presence between us that those experiences become that much more fulfilling. So in, a, in a way, virtual reality can help close the gap that the last 15 years of the internet has, has you know, in a lot of ways has created for us. Um, you never have to leave the house again. Never have to, man. And then you've got, you know, Alexa ordering, every you know, your toilet paper.
0: <laughs> hey, I even have an electric toilet seat. And I'll leave you with that thought. They're great. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the world turns, man. world turns. Yeah. Yep. yep. Well, and
1: and we're so at much. an inflection point right now. And and I think, Jeff, you know, we'll we'll probably – We'll probably get into this topic again when, you know, Steven Spielberg has a big new movie that's about to drop that I think is going to mainstream virtual reality in a big way, which is uh, called Ready Player One. Okay. And, and the premise of the movie is, I think, interesting to where we are today. It takes place, I think, 20 years in the future. And from what I understand of it, uh, you know, basically the world has just completely gone to shit, right? Everyone's like living in squalor, um, but they have virtual reality technology. So their real lives are squalor. So they use virtual reality as an escapism because they can go to these beautifully rendered, high fidelity, high resolution, uh, you know, VR dreamscapes um, and interact with each other. Where you know, it's almost like, who cares if the world's going
0: to shit? We've got you know, <laughs> we've got, we've got virtual
1: Eden over here.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I I trust Steven Spielberg to bring yeah, us a do. good story. I'm looking forward. to uh, It's uh, Ready Player One. Ready player everyone. On its way. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Corey, for, first of all, inviting me over for, there it is. That's a big old headset, but it there works great. And um, uh, thanks for doing that. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on The Daily Over.